This is episode 64 of the Just Get Started podcast, and my guest today is the founder of Shining Scars, Christian Leonard. Let's get it started. Hey gang, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. Awesome to have you here for another episode. I've got a really great gal uh, by the name of Christian Leonard. Um, I met Christian up at the Next Gen Summit um, here about two months ago or so, and it was cool because I remember when she was walking toward me, and the first time we sat down and chatted, it was just this ball of passion coming from her. Um, and you could really feel it. If anyone out there has obviously met Christian or talked with her, you know what I'm talking about. It's pretty, pretty cool. Um, and, and really the stuff that she's trying to do to impact the lives, especially of, you know, of our youth um, for the most part, because um, some things she experienced as a child as she grew up. So, you know, she's only 22 years old and done a lot already. Um, she's from Morgantown, West Virginia, um, currently attends West Virginia University. Um, she actually founded her nonprofit organization, Shining Scars, at the age of 14, um, she started writing her book at the age of 16, and, and that book came out. Um, she's doing just a lot of great stuff, obviously, to just impact, again, the youth, um, being able to share her journey, share her message, her story, some of the things she went through, the bullying that went on. Um, hopefully, that'll impact others as uh, you know as she shares that more and more. Uh, so really impressed with her. I'm excited to have her on the, the podcast here. I think you guys will enjoy her story, especially we really dig deep into you know, her early years and kind of how she got her scars, um, how she was able to overcome some of that adversity um, eventually and, and kind of what she learned from that experience. Um, and I think it's a great story, at least that everyone needs to hear, especially if you do have kids, you know, some things you may look out for um, if, if they've been bullied or you're thinking that they're bullied, um, really impactful stuff, again, that, you know, Christians bring into the forefront here. So, Let's jump right into the interview. I think you guys are absolutely going to love this. I'm excited to uh, share this conversation with you all. So without further ado, my chat today with Christian Leonard. Let's get it started. Christian, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining today. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. <laughs> well, I'm excited to talk with you. I know we got in a really good discussion when we met up at the Next Gen Summit. Um, I guess that was a month or two ago. Um, and and your just passion and just the enthusiasm you have for what you're doing, it was just infectious. So I was like, I got to have you on. I want to chat deeper about it. So I'm glad that you're able to take some time out and uh, and uh, and go into it a little bit more. So what's been going on in your world? What's what's the last uh, few weeks or month or so since I saw you last? What's been going on? Oh my on? goodness, um, I've been able to do so much in such a short amount of time. Um, I competed at the Miss West Virginia organization pageant a couple weeks ago, where I um, I competed for the title of Miss West Virginia, and I was able to place that third runner up and gain some scholarship money to help me get through college and hopefully pay off um, some debt that I have. And uh, and then I was also able to join in the Zombie Club movie, and that was filming about forty minutes from where I live in Morgantown, West Virginia. And uh, I, my character was Miss Walker, and she is kind of like she's a very great character to have. Um, she's very strong, and uh, 
emotionally and she's very protective over her cheerleaders. She's the cheerleading coach, the gym coach, and she's also a teacher at this high school where uh, the zombie apocalypse kind of starts happening and going on, but she's a little oblivious to it. She doesn't really know what's going on with the students. And I really just can't wait for that movie to come out and just um, enjoying my summer and making connections with people. And I've just, I've had a lot going on this past couple of weeks and I'm just very excited to talk about it all with you. Okay. So I'm going to have to go on a tangent already off the, off the rails. So apologize. Uh-huh. What is the zombie club movie? Is that something, should I know about this? Is this like a, is like a big phenomenon coming out or what's the, tell me how you got associated with that. Um, it's actually really exciting. I was contacted through Facebook, actually, about the Zombie Club movie. And it had a different name back then. This was a few months ago. And the Zombie Club is going to be basically an anti-bullying film that's coming out. It's being filmed in West Virginia. And I think they just wrapped up production a couple days ago. And I was chosen as an advocate for the movie, which is very exciting. So once it is, um, a fully handheld product um, in DVD form. It'll go on sale throughout Walmarts and um, different retail stores. And I will be able to share it across the state of West Virginia in all 55 counties and showing it to high school students and middle school students. And just to talk about the movie, the message behind it, um, and what resources students have nowadays um, whenever it comes to bullying. That's awesome. Did you ever think you want to do acting? How did you, is that, is that something that just was like, huh? Or is that, is that something you want to do for, for a while now? Um, when I was a little kid, I was in plays and such, and I always really enjoyed it. Um, but it was nothing that I really pursued. Um, whenever I first got contacted, I thought I was just going to be helping out behind the scenes. <laughs> and then they asked if I wanted to be in the movie. And I said, absolutely. And it was so much fun uh, being with all the uh, production crew and the actors and the actresses and seeing the set and watching how um, movies actually get produced. I really, really love that kind of aspect of it. Um, So it just kind of just randomly happened and I am very grateful for it. That's, that's really neat. Well, let's take a shift back kind of on, on, on course here. (laughs) Um, so I'd love for if you can share a little bit about your story, especially from the beginning, because I, you know, I know when we spoke initially, kind of what you're doing with, you know, the shining scars and and kind of the movement behind that obviously it was based on a lot of life experience you've had. So for people that aren't familiar with you or haven't heard about that, can you kind of share some of those early years, some of the things you went through kind of as you were growing up, uh, just so everyone can kind of be up up to sure. what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, so. I am, I'm getting ready to turn 23 now, and I've had multiple surgeries starting at the young age of four. Um, I was four years old when I got my first set of stitches um, due to an accident that I had at daycare, and they were right above my upper lip, and so they're very visible to everybody. I had these big black sutures um, in my mouth, and uh, when I was in daycare, all the kids instantly look at looked at my stitches and my sutures and I was bruised and I didn't feel good. And I noticed their stares. I noticed their whispers and it escalated into a bullying issue. Um, a lot of the kids, they try to hit my stitches um, with their fists. They try poking at it. Um, and 
they called me names and it just was really, really bad time. Um, and while I was there for a checkup at the hospital after I got the sutures, um, my mother asked the surgeon um, about the spot that I had on my leg, on my left thigh. And he said, well, um, I know what that is and we have to remove it. So we have to have surgery. And so I um, had to have surgery for a lipoma growth on my leg. Now, lipoma growth is basically a fatty tissue pocket, but it does grow with your body. And they were scared that it would potentially stunt the growth in my leg or cause um, issues with my muscles and my bones, um, especially since I was so young. I was only five. And uh, when they first decided to cut me open, they didn't realize how much the lipoma growth had already grew. So what was supposed to be a very small incision ended up escalating to be a nine-inch scar on my leg. And I remember waking up with so much pain and not understanding why I was in so much pain, why the scar was as big as it was. And I did not want to go to school because I thought to myself, I cannot hide this. I couldn't hide the stitches on my face, and I'm definitely not going to be able to hide a nine-inch scar on my little leg. And um, I had to go to school. And I remember the students looking at me and hating me and isolating me and making fun of me and calling me names. And I never felt more damaged or broken in that time. And I remember looking at Disney princesses and Barbies and how perfect and how beautiful they were. And I remember the kids telling me that I would never be beautiful, that I would never be pretty. And so I I hated my scar. I hated who I was when I looked in the mirror. And that's something that a five-year-old should never have to feel. And I didn't know how to convey those emotions either. And so when I was eight, I opted to have a reversion surgery on that scar to try to minimize the um, appearance of it. And that was even before social media was going on. That was even before what, how different society's definition of what perfection is and what beauty is. I wasn't exposed to that. I was just exposed to my classmates and my peers um, at daycare and such. And even the teachers stared at me too. But I knew that I was different and I didn't want to be different. I didn't want to feel abandoned. I didn't want to feel the isolation or the hurt caused from it. And that surgery was an extremely traumatic experience for me just because the local anesthetics that they decided to do on that in-office procedure, they didn't work. And so I could feel every stitch. I could feel every cut that they made. And what was supposed to be about a 45-minute procedure ended up being over three hours in pain. Um, They had to take my mom out of the room. And so I was panicking the entire time. And I could not wait for it to be over. And I knew from that day that no matter what scar I got later on in life, I would leave it alone. Even if it was ugly, even if it made me feel horrible, I would just leave it alone because it wouldn't be worth it. And uh, (laughs) I had to go back to school and I remember feeling hopeful for the first time. And I was a little bit excited, but I was still extremely nervous because I thought I, I changed for these kids in my class. I changed the way I looked. I went through all that pain for their acceptance and I cannot wait to gain that. And I sat in class 
and nothing changed. Things just got worse. Mm. Um, what the taunting bullying started, it, it became physical bullying. And I was shoved downstairs repeatedly because it took me extra time to walk up the stairs due to the stitches pulling. And they continued to push me down the stairs until my stitches popped open and I was bleeding. Um, kids would walk past my desk and slam in to it hard, causing it to slam into my leg and my sutures to bleed. Kids would then start calling me freak and Frankenstein. Um, I still wasn't accepted and to play with them on the playground and kids still stared at me and whispered. And I was so heartbroken and I was so lonely. And I tried to explain to people how I felt, but I didn't know the words because I was so young. I was eight years old in second grade. And um, so the bullying kept on. And that's something that I will always have emotional scars with. As my physical scars were healing, I was developing emotional scars as well. And um, I was able to wait a few years to have my next surgery. Uh, I was 10 and that was on my back. I had a precancerous melanoma spot and that left me with a seven inch scar. And I had it right around summertime. Um, so everybody can see your scar because it's you're supposed to go to the pool and you're supposed to wear shorts and you're supposed to be running around with your friends and playing. And I couldn't do that. I had to sleep on my floor instead of my bed for two months while my scar healed on my back. I had to um, learn, relearn how to sit on a couch or anything or in the car. Um, brushing my teeth was painful because we don't realize how much we use all of our muscles. And um, every little thing that I did, it, it caused pain. And uh, I wanted to swim so bad. So um, the hospital team helped me with that. They put layers and layers of glue over my sutures so that I could go swimming. And then I realized that how big of a mistake that was just because I allowed myself to be extremely vulnerable and visible to everybody who was at the pool. Um, people stared at me. Parents stared at me. Um, they would turn their kids away when their kids would start laughing at me or want to say a comment to me. Um, people asked me questions like, what's wrong with you? Or why do you look like that? And out of their curiosity, they didn't realize that how much pain that they were causing me because I was asking myself every day, what is wrong with me? I didn't understand. Did, did you have any, um, I, I want to use the phrase, I guess, support system, and maybe it was parents, maybe it was a teacher, anyone that you were comfortable or able to go to, or were you kind of in silence, kind of stuck in your own body? I was in silence. Um, I, you know, my parents did try to help me. I'm not going to say that. Um, they said all the right things like, um, I'm sorry that you're going through this and you're still beautiful and you can do everything that you want to do and you'll be fine. And um, everything's going to work out. You're going to make friends. They were telling me all the right things. But when I looked at them, and I realized they don't have the physical scars. They don't have to go to school every day. I honestly did not believe that they would understand what I was going through or how that they could help me because they weren't going through it themselves. Um, I I stayed quiet just because I realized, you know, it's just going to cause them pain because they're not going to know how to help me. They'll be just as confused as I am. And 
I would rather sacrifice my insecurities and um, potential hope to make friends and stuff like that just to protect my parents from what was going on with me um, and to me. And so it wasn't until later in life that I really um, talked to them about getting support about everything that I'd gone to. It wasn't until later in life that I had a conversation with my mom and she ended up crying um, just because she had no idea because I smiled and I pretended to be like a normal kid, even though I felt like the complete opposite. (laughs) Um, And it wasn't until in my teenage years when I told her stuff like that, that I really saw a change within myself. But did did she know, and I asked this from coming from as a parent, right? And I have a young child and, you know, I know bullying goes on in schools, right? It's, you know, I've seen it, I've heard about it, but are there any signs or things that either your mother maybe said, Hey, I picked up on that. Maybe you just weren't, you know, I, I, as you said, you kind of protected through yourself and Mm -hmm. didn't open up at that time, but is there anything, you know, that you've seen or learned through the years that parents could pick up on if their kids are being bullied? Mm -hmm. Um, is is it just a change in personality? Did there, was there different things you think that, you know, kids are going through or. Um, one thing that I picked up on now that I'm older was, I had stopped smiling for school pictures, for school picture day. Um, I used to be super happy and cheerful and always excited to get my picture taken. And right around, and it's in my second grade yearbook, I stopped smiling with my teeth. I kind of did just like this little Mona Lisa smile. Um, And that's something that I looked at and looked at. And then I realized why I had stopped smiling because I wasn't happy. Um, going to school, I wasn't happy, um, waiting in line with those kids that were taunting me constantly. Um, I was super happy to be home every day. So I think it was kind of hard for my parents to see the two parts of it. Um, just because I was happy to finally be home. I could be myself. I could run and play and be outside and be a super sweaty, um, rambunctious child. But that's because I was holding all that in while I was in school. Um, I'm pretty sure that my teachers did take notice and what was going on. Um, but to their knowledge and from their standpoint is what I perceived was that everybody gets bullied. Everybody gets teased. It's just a way of life. It's just, everybody's got to go through it. And Mm -hmm. I think that that is absurd. And I think that that is not the right kind of mindset that you should have as a teacher, as an educator, because for those eight hours, those children are under your protection and they are looking up to you to help them and protect them and to make sure that they gain a wonderful experience in school, especially when it's elementary school. Those years are very detrimental to our children, um, especially for their future as well. Uh, So I think that it was kind of hard for my teachers to even come forward to my parents because maybe that would make them look bad that they weren't stepping in. So I'm not really sure. Um, You know, the memories that my mom has of me are I was always happy and stuff like that once I was healed up and uh, going through life. You know, I was the typical eight year old and uh, things were things were fine. But little did she know. And I think that it's important to have conversations with kids because, you know, the first time you ask, they might not always tell you what's going on. But if you have some type of feeling deep down, ask again 
and make sure that they feel safe and secure in telling you what's going on. Make sure that they know that they're not going to get in trouble or that they shouldn't feel ashamed to reaching out to you and talking to you about things. Um, I used to babysit and I would always ask um, the little kids that I babysat, what was going on with school? How was their day? And if they were just like, it's fine, it's fine, whatever. I knew something else had happened. And so I ask again and again and again. And then eventually you get your answer. And then you're able to help your child or you're able to help the kids that you babysit. Or if you work in a daycare center, you're able to help those kids. Um, But I don't hold anything against my parents just because I honestly don't believe that they had any type of feeling that something was seriously wrong. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, you obviously went through a lot of that pain. Fortunately, I guess, as unfortunately, I guess is the way to say it, right? That's now helping a lot of other people because some of the endeavors that you've kind of got into. And I think a lot of that comes to, obviously, you had to change as a person, right? That mentality, that mindset. And I, I read something online, fact check me on this, but is, was it Miss West Virginia came and spoke at your school? Yeah. And that was kind of a shift for you. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Uh, so this was when I was 10. Miss um, West Virginia came to my elementary school and she talked to all of us students. And this was at a time where I knew I was having another surgery coming up and I was dreading it. I had a lot of stress and anxiety. Um, I was still being bullied. And her message to us was that no matter what we wanted to be or who we wanted to be, we would definitely be able to accomplish our dreams and our goals. And it doesn't matter what you feel right now, that you have a future and it can be as bright as you want it to be. And I felt that she was looking directly at me when she said that. And I had this small little flutter in my stomach. And it was the first time in a very long time that I, you know, was wanting to take charge with my life at 10. And uh, for our fifth grade graduation uh, photos that we do in the yearbook, I wrote under mine that I wanted to be Miss West Virginia. They have everybody write, you know, what do you want to be whenever you grow up? And I remember my teachers trying to change my mind. (laughs) They said, um, you know, I don't really think that that's for you. I think that maybe you should pick something else. Like you can be a veterinarian or a doctor or the president. And I said, no, I want to be Miss West Virginia. And I remember everybody laughing at me. The kids taunting me for it. Um, My teachers even like not being supportive over my little dream as a 10-year-old. but I knew that that's, that's something that I wanted to be. I wanted to be like that Miss West Virginia who came to my school. And to this day, I know that Miss West Virginia, uh, Miss Tiffany Lawrence. And I absolutely still adore her to this day. And uh, I cannot wait and to be, hopefully, a Miss West Virginia like her who goes to schools and changes the lives of others. Um, But then, you know, I fell right back into bullying and everything else after that sweet, tender moment. And it wasn't until later in life when I was 14 that I decided enough was enough. And I looked at myself in the mirror for the first time in 10 years, a whole decade. And I called myself pretty. And it wasn't beautiful. It wasn't amazing. It wasn't 
anything like that. The one compliment that I gave myself was that I thought that I was pretty. And I knew that I was lying to myself in the mirror. But I decided from that day on, every single day, I was going to give myself a compliment whether or not I believed it. And uh, it took an entire year to build up the confidence that my bullies had stolen from me. And I am so grateful now that I did that. Um, the compliments can be even small. I tell kids and teenagers, I'm like, say that you like your braces that day. Say that you like your hair or your t-shirt or, um, you know, that you're going to do great on a test. Say something nice to yourself. Love yourself. And it wasn't until I fully started to love myself for who I was um, that other people became my friends, that other people became, um, you know, advocates for me and my support system and people who cared about me. And that was amazing. Really was. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think that, I mean, really at any age, I th- you know, I think it's going through, you know, sometimes it's not always that first time you kind of have to go through those motions and really build up yeah. that confidence slowly, you know? So, I mean, I, and that's, uh, you know, kudos to you, obviously for doing that from going through a lot of, you know, tough things. And then obviously the, the transition with that is, and I want to talk about a little bit, if we can, about writing a book, because oh. I, I think you were you 14 or 15 when you wrote that book? Well, I was actually, I was 16. Uh, 16. Oh, okay. 16, yep. <laughs> that's still pretty impressive. It's 16. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yes, yeah, so can you talk through that process? Why did you want to write a book? And then if you can actually go in, a little deeper of actually going through the process of writing it and, and, and yeah. you know, the storyline and, and how you came up with that. Uh-huh. Uh, so a little bit of background on the book. It is called Shining Scars. It's my children's book. My main character, his name is Eugene. Uh, I love little Eugene and the story that, um, the story about him and how he gets his scar. Um, Eugene flies across the galaxy too fast and he falls and hits his head on the moon. And he's really scared about the star that he's going to get. And uh, so he's all nervous and he goes to bed. But the next morning when he wakes up, his scar shines brighter than the rest of his body. And so he's not afraid to share with his friends his shining new spot. And he goes to them and he's telling them all about it and what happened. And he's super excited to show them and they're all happy for him. And the very last page, it says uh, he taught about how it glows. He taught about how it shines and all his little friends said, look at mine. And I love that part of the book just because it proves that everybody has a scar. Everybody has a physical or emotional scar. And it's important that we share those stories with each other. Um, Since I've been able to share my story, um, my many stories, I have had so many people come up to me thanking me for sharing my story because it makes them feel better. Um, It makes them feel not as lost you know, we do have a society where we are trying to fit in the description of what perfection is um, and how we should look, how we should feel about ourselves. And sometimes that can be very damaging. And uh, just because if we don't fit a specific description, you know, then we're wrong. There's something wrong with us. And that's not necessary, necessarily true. Um, so I was 16 when I decided to write the book. Um, I was very, very excited. I actually just randomly came home uh, <laughs> and I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And my parents were like, yeah, okay, you you have fun in your room. You go and you do that. And sure enough, I, I took out my notebook and I sort of made a comic book 
type was my first rough draft and I had the little captions in it and my little pictures of Eugene and his friends and I was able to write the book in under 30 minutes and uh, from there I sent that copy to my grandmother who lives in Texas and she did watercolor uh, watercolor pictures of Eugene and everything and my mom helped me create a snapfish book of Shining Scars and that online copy is what I decided to send to publishers and I got a bunch of no's <laughs> right off the bat but you know, I told my mom, I said, I'm going to get this published. It has to be published. It's it's going to be great. I cannot wait to share with everybody. And she really had her doubts about it. And then right around Christmas time, um, I got an email saying that they thought that Shining Scars was a perfect fit for their publishing company. And I was so, so excited. I could not wait uh, for it to come out. And my parents took me out to dinner whenever I received my first paper copies of Shining Scars. And this was the first time that I was going to see Eugene in my hand. Um, And I remember them videotaping me opening up the package and looking at Eugene and going through all the pages. And I just, I wanted to cry happy tears because it was a dream of mine and it was actually real. Um, And I felt super accomplished and I felt um, so just thrilled and relief and hope and so many wonderful things that I was feeling and so many wonderful things that were going into my mind. And I knew that I wanted to take Eugene and Shining Scars to a national level. And there my parents had doubts again too. <laughs> so um, I decided to officially um, get Shining Scars, which is my nonprofit foundation, uh, to be registered as an official 501c3 nonprofit organization. And I knew that I wanted to take it to Children's American Network Hospitals across the nation. And I knew that I wanted to send my book to not only every children's hospital in the nation, but to also burn centers and to schools and to libraries and to people in other countries. And I've been able to check a lot of amazing um, bucket list ideas just because I've never given up. And I have still received a lot of no's, um, and that's okay. But I just have to keep pushing on because, you know, whenever you truly have a goal and it's something that you cannot go a day without thinking of, and it's something that pushes you even harder, that whenever you wake up, it's in your mind. Whenever you go to bed, it's in your mind. That is something that you should never give up hope on. That is something that you should always push for. Um and that to me is shining scars. And by the way, that's an awesome. And I mean, the fact that at 16 to be able to do that is pretty cool. Um, how did you, can, can I ask something from a publisher standpoint? Okay. What was the relationship with the publisher? Were they doing full distribution? Was they, were they getting it in a certain, uh, were they getting the stores? Were they sending it to these? Like, what did they do from a publishing standpoint? And what, yeah. did, what was your kind of you know, part that you had to do? Um, well, first I had my official book launch in New York City um, at the Book Expo America, which was really awesome. Um, and uh, they helped me also, uh, you know, get my book into different competitions and such. I was able to win a Mom's Choice Award in silver for my children's book, which is fantastic. Um, I never would have been able to do that without my publishing company. Um, they also have my book on Amazon. 
And uh, any time that I need to send copies out, I order them through my publisher and they get me those copies and I'm able to um, give them to other organizations such as Cuddles for Clefts. I work with that nonprofit organization. Um, it's for babies who have cleft palates or cleft lips and they do cuddle packages for them, little care packages, and they include my children's book. And, um, you know, right now I'm working with my publishing company. They said that they are more than ready for me to have my book translated into other languages. Um, just because Shining Scars has now been able to, um, be purchased or received in over 25 countries across the world. And I'm very excited to hopefully get it translated into different languages um, and get the books out there to those who really need it. That's really awesome. Are you, are you planning on doing more writing, more children's books? Is, <laughs> was that your, it, that it for children's books? What, what have you thought about yeah. so far? <laughs> I don't think that that's it. Um, I would love to have more stories um, about Eugene and um, his little friends that he meets. Uh, I have, I did brainstorm a couple ideas. Um, I just need to pick them back up and to really start writing and really thinking again. Um, I love writing. I'm, I honestly never really knew how much I loved writing until I was a lot older. Um, but I remember going, finding notebooks of me as a child, writing random stories that made no sense, but they were, they were always there. And that was always a part of me. And I'm really glad that I was able to pursue um, writing. I have been able to co-author other books um, with other team members. I, um, I was able to be in the Better Business book. And I was also able to co-author um, 10 Habits of Truly Optimistic People. And uh, I love every experience with writing. I, of course, will always continue writing. And hopefully more children's book was with Eugene. No, that, that's really awesome. Can you share, because I was actually going to ask some of the you know habits and routines that maybe help you structure your day, or it's like you're going through the the stuff with Miss West Virginia or some other things you're involved with. What What was the top habit from the book? Can you share anything or maybe something, a habit that you have that's been impactful for you on day to day? Um, something that has always helped me would be um, coming up with different mantras for myself. Um, just because I started creating mantras whenever I was going through the transition of, you know, this is going to be a big part of my life. I need to not be really stressed out about it. I need to know that I am fully confident and capable of achieving all my goals for Shining Scars. And so I started writing little mantras for myself. And I don't just have one mantra. I have many. And I make them in really cute or funny fonts, or I have them um, scattered around my room, um, just because they're nice little reminders to yourself that, you know, you are capable, you are impactful, you are powerful, you are empathetic, you are talented, you are confident. Um, all those words that you write about yourself, it really proves how much you love yourself and how much you believe in yourself whenever you feel like the world doesn't believe in you or your parents or your support system. Um, if they're having a hard time grasping what it is that you want to do, um, which happens in my family a lot. Sometimes I'm not even 100% sure what I want to do, but I know I have to do something. <laughs> and it's kind of hard to get my parents on board my support system on board just because they're just as confused as I am. But it's nice to find those mantras and it's nice to take a deep breath and to understand that what you plan on doing in your life is so important for yourself and for others. And as long as it's a positive thing that you're wanting to do, you want to make a positive impact in the lives of others, you 
are so ready to do that. And you need to constantly remind yourself of all the positive things that you have to offer other people. I wanted to chat briefly, if you can, um, and get your take, because obviously we met at NextGen Summit, mm-hmm. um, and, and you're a part of that group, the a community council member there. And obviously, Justin and Dylan have done a phenomenal job over the last five years, I think, with, with NextGen. C- can you share how you got involved with with them and that group and, and some of the things you're doing with NextGen? Yeah, of course. Um, so when I was 17, I was uh, given the opportunity to... Um, participate in a TEDx talk in Boca Raton, Florida. And I was also able to give a Contagious Optimism live talk, uh, which at those two events is where I met uh, Jared Kleinart. And he was able to introduce me to Justin and Dylan um, over the phone. And uh, I remember staying super up super late at night, waiting for a call from Justin and Dylan and uh, seeing if I was the right match for NextGen and to gain a little bit more insight on what NextGen was, uh, just because this was back when it very first started. And um, I remember speaking with Justin on the phone and I was probably talking a hundred miles an hour, trying to cram all this information into this one phone call and just hoping for the best, hoping that I was the right match uh, to be involved in such a prestigious, amazing community um, and hopefully getting to uh, be invited to their conference. And after my talk with him, uh, he told me, he said, look, I absolutely love everything that you're doing. We would love to have you come. Um, to our conference. And I was so happy about that, that I didn't hear everything that he said next. (laughs) And I just remember jumping up and down and being so happy because finally I felt, um, you know, I felt that I was being accepted into a community where there were going to be hundreds of kids or millennials or entrepreneurs that were my age. And they were doing all these wonderful, amazing things. And I couldn't wait to hear their ideas. I couldn't wait to hear about their experiences and hopefully share mine. And Justin and Dylan gave me that opportunity. I was invited as a speaker and as well as a moderator. And after I gave my talk about everything that I was doing with Shining Scars and how I came about it, um, at the end of the conference, I was given the Humanitarian Award. And I remember looking at that award for the rest of the conference and just thinking, wow, I'm making a difference. It hadn't really hit me until I held that award in my hands, how much of a difference I was making in the lives of others. And it brought tears to my eyes because... I felt justified. Finally, I felt that I was on the right path and that nothing was going to stop me. And I am so grateful to be on the community council for Justin and Dylan. I think that they're great, amazing team members. I think that what they're doing is fantastic. And if anybody gets the opportunity to go to Next Gen Summit, I think that they should take that opportunity within a heartbeat. <laughs> this organization in this community has given me so many opportunities to meet so many wonderful people like yourself. And I've been able to accomplish so many things through those connections and through that network um, that I am forever grateful. I am forever owing Justin and Dylan so many things. And, and, and I just, I have nothing but positive things to say about next gen. Yeah, they're two sharp dudes, and uh, it's just really cool. I'm glad you shed a little more extra light on that because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, at NextGen, I was blown away by that that whole experience up there. And obviously, meeting you meant a lot of other great folks and, you know, kind of formed some relationships that last, you know, mm-hmm. lifetime. So it was really, really cool 
um, event and, and they have a variety of different events. Um, so that's, that's pretty neat. Let me ask you this. What, what's, what's next on your plate? So obviously you talked about, you know, your, you, the, uh, Miss West Virginia stuff you were doing, what, what's kind of the next six months a year? What, what are some things that you're excited about? Well, I'm very excited. Uh, in December, I will graduate from West Virginia University with a degree in broadcast journalism and a minor in communications. Congratulations. Um, thank you. I am actually uh, one of the first in my family to graduate with a college degree um, from the university, and I am super excited. All of my mom's family from the other side of the country, they're all flying in for my December graduation, and my dad's side of family, they're all wanting to drive in from Florida and all over the place. Um, and I just cannot wait to share that special moment with everybody because I've worked really, really hard, um, being a student and also working part-time jobs and running a nonprofit foundation and still traveling across the state of West Virginia and to New York and to all these wonderful places and talking about shining scars and being the president and the CEO. Um, I've had a lot on my plate and I cannot wait to have that moment of, um, gratitude towards my support system and towards everybody who's helped me along the way. And um, so I have that coming up. And then I am also involved in another organization called EDUCOM. And I will be a mentor for students over in Ghana, Africa. So for about two hours every week, I will be logging in and being someone that these students can talk to about um, social anxiety, anxiety with school, um, you know, we were able to get some professional counselors and therapists on board as well. So if something comes up when I'm speaking with these students that is more severe, such as depression, um, you know, different really stressful events that are going on in their lives, I'm able to refer them to a professional and they'll be able to handle it. Just because right now, um, over in Ghana, there's a really horrible stigma about mental illness. If you do have depression or anxiety or um, post-traumatic stress disorder, you're, you're cursed. It's not based on science. There's no real education on mental health issues and illnesses. And so I'm just really excited to partner with EDUCOM um, along with Shining Scars and to help those kids over in Ghana, Africa. And then we are able to get some amazing grants for that, uh, even a grant from Google. And uh, we'll be able to um, schedule some traveling for this coming year, the next two years. So hopefully um, I will be able to travel over into Ghana within the next couple of years. Um, that'd be something that I would be so proud to do and so amazed by. Um, I am still, you know, hopefully going to be filming some more stories for the Born This Way Foundation as a channel kindness reporter um, across the state of West Virginia. That job entails me finding stories um, about kindness and love and compassion in different communities across the state of West Virginia and going to those people or going to those organizations, figuring out what their message is and what they're trying to do and really put it into a short little story and send it off and then it gets put online. Um, and still being an advocate for the zombie club movie within this fall, going to different schools and talking to students and teenagers and you know, there's so many more things that I can talk about. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, well, it seems like you got a, a plateful. Can you um j just so you know, if everyone wants, I'll link this up in the show notes. That you, you mentioned what was it called? Edu.com. What what was the? Is there a website or what yeah. was the name of it again? Yeah, it's edu.com, and I can send you um, all kinds of links. We have all sorts of social media pages. Um, one social media page that we're really active on is Twitter. Um, 
it's really a great organization. Um, one of our other team members, Emmanuel, he has just uh, finished traveling from the Philippines and Thailand speaking with students about mental health. And um, we were able to get him travel, um, his travel expenses paid for through different grants, um, international grants. So it's really, really amazing everything that we're going to be able to do uh, for those students and for teenagers. And you should definitely look up um, everything on social media and um, I'll also be having everything on my social media as well, um, which I can send you links to. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, we'll link everything up in the uh, in the show notes. Um, so let me let, let's end on this. I always like to to kind of ask, and this is really an open forum, but maybe it's a piece of advice, a quote you live by. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just the learnings you have over the last handful of years. Is, is there something you would share with the you know the listeners uh, that's been impactful for you? Maybe a, a lesson or learning um, that could help them in their own journey. Yeah, um, that is very open. (laughs) Um, One thing that I had to really learn was that, uh, you know, the path to success is just really a bunch of failures. It's very chaotic. It's very confusing. And it can be dark and lonely at times. But if you really feel that you have this calling, this beautiful amazing feeling that you have about a dream or a goal or a project don't be scared and don't back down it might take a couple weeks or it might take a few years um you'll recycle friends and you'll support members and that's okay um it's really what you want to make it out to be if you want to be miss west virginia go on that journey if you want to create a nonprofit foundation, you are more than capable to do so. If you want to be the next president of the United States, you know what you got to do. Um, and it's mainly just a feeling that you have. And it's a feeling that you should never ignore, no matter how scared you are, no matter how lost that you may feel. Just know that there's a reason that the universe has put this feeling inside of you and is opening these doors for you. Don't be afraid to walk through those doors. And, you know, sometimes we walk through doors and they may not be the right doors <laughs> for us or for your dream. But don't be afraid to turn your back on certain opportunities just because um, you have a broader expectance for your goal or your dream. Um, whenever I was growing up, you know, I wasn't super popular because I wasn't in parties and I didn't run for homecoming queen and I wasn't athletic or anything like that, but I was doing all my nonprofit work. Um, the grunt work, as I like to call it back in the beginning stages. And I really felt left out. I did. Um, but I knew that I was turning my back on those opportunities for a greater purpose. And, um, even in college, I've, turn down opportunities just because I knew that I cannot give up on this goal. I can't be sidetracked just because I know people are counting on me. And no matter what your goal is, know that people are there for you. Know that they are counting on you. That's why it's so important to involve yourself in different communities like Next Gen Summit um, to make those connections with people to understand that you are not alone on this very confusing path. Um, And it's a wonderful path as well. And just understand that you have every possibility in the world as long as you set your mind to it. Um, I was told no and that um, 
I would never be able to create a nonprofit organization. I was told that I was never going to get my book published. I was told that it was very unlikely that I would ever be able to do a TEDx conference. Um, I was told that because of my age, I was too young to do things. And those words came from people who should have believed in me the most, that should have given me the most support at that time, that I really, really needed it. And you know, I decided to say no, that I was going to be able to accomplish all these things. As long as you believe in yourself and you understand that you are doing this for the greater good and that you have a voice and that you need to use it, your dreams and goals are not that far away at all. You should always believe in yourself no matter what. And I think Christian, that's it. <laughs> no, that's this, this has been awesome. And and as and as I think I told you when I met you up at uh, at NextGen, like I, no one should be surprised that you're going to change the world because you just have that passion, that enthusiasm, that drive. It's it just really like I said, it's awesome. And obviously, you can hear it in your voice here. And excited to see the things that you're going to do going forward. So I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to kind of sharing your story and and some of your early journey here. And excited to see the next step in that uh, in that chapter. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I did try to dial back some of the excitement for the sake of my computer speakers. <laughs> no, you were fine. This is great. You were awesome. <laughs> Usually when I get very, very fired up. I, I, I feel the power and, you know, it can come off a little strong. Um, so my poor computer, I don't think could handle it. But if <laughs> anybody wants to <laughs> um, even follow me on my social media and wants to know more about anything, please reach out to me. I would be more than happy to answer any questions or give any type of advice to anybody. Um, I would even love to help them point them in the right direction to make the right type of connections if they need it. Um, thank you so much, Brian, for having me on this conference call and for getting me on this podcast. Um, I absolutely love it. And I can't wait to hear uh, more stories that you do. And I'm just very, very excited for you. Hey, everyone. I hope you got a lot of value out of that episode. And just one more quick thing before you run along on your day. If you haven't been enjoying these interviews and these shows, um, I really appreciate it if you head over to iTunes, give me a rating, leave me a review, let me know how I'm doing. Um, It's the only way I can make this podcast better each and every episode. Um, And connect with me online um, at Brian Andreco or at Just Get Started Podcast on Instagram. Or check out my website, brianandraco.com. That's where I house the podcast, my blog articles, Um, I even have a now page to update everyone in the last couple months of what's been going on in my life. Um, At worst, it's for my mom so she can keep tabs on me and make sure I'm okay. Um, But I've really enjoyed the feedback so far. This has been phenomenal, um, what's been accomplished so far with this podcast and all the great guests I've had and really excited for the trajectory going forward. And really, the gratitude goes to you guys for listening, for chiming in, for giving me feedback. Um, and for keep listening and keep pressing play. Um, obviously, you guys are getting some value out of this. So I'm so grateful for just the opportunity um, to share these messages with you. Um, so I hope you guys have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.